Welcome to Learn Buddhism. I'm Alan Pito. Who are you? In Buddhism, one of our fundamental teachings and most important things is going to be a teaching called not-self or non-self. This is where the Buddha taught us that our current illusionary belief that we are permanent, unchanging, and independent upon other things is actually false. He says that we are impermanent, we are ever-changing, and we are interdependent upon other phenomena to exist. But because we have ignorance of the Buddha's teachings at a very fundamental level, we now have this delusion about our world, this ignorance of our world. And as a result of that, we start creating karmic actions because we are clinging and craving to things that reinforce our belief that we have a self that is permanent, unchanging, and independent. And if you want to think about it in a particular way, you may be going, well, I understand I'm going to get old. And I understand that, yes, maybe my beliefs change and, and things like that. But it goes down to a fundamental level. There's something that you do believe inside you, no matter how intellectual you are or anything else, you believe there's something inside you which could even be on an unconscious level, that you believe that there's something inside you or that a, a portion of you that what makes up you is permanent, is unchanging, and is independent, that you don't need anything else, that this will be, this is a core thing about you, and it will never go away. It's not going to change. And for some of us, we may believe more on this side of the, the house of uh, what self is. Some of us may be a little bit closer to the truth, but we still have something there that we are clinging and craving to and trying to reinforce. We're going to feel hurt when somebody maybe attacks us verbally or an insult, for example. And so we have hatred that results from it. When we look at the three fires or three poisons in Buddhism, it is greed, anger, and ignorance and resulting delusion. And those things are very much part of why we're having so much trouble because this belief in a self is what's really fueling our clinging and craving this attachment is fueling the three fires which is in turn creating the typically unwholesome karmic actions that we're doing and keeping us trapped in the cycle of rebirth so the belief in this idea of self is problematic for us as Buddhists. But because it is so ingrained in us and we believe it, that's going to be really the challenge. You can look at it in a few different ways. If you had a mirror that's very dirty, you, can, you can't really see a reflection, or maybe there's a window that's really dirty. Well, we're not going to get a true understanding of what we're looking at, right? We have to use Buddhist practice to essentially break down this idea of self so that we can be awakened to the truth, we can now see clearly, become enlightened beings, and as such, we are no longer fueling the three fires of greed, anger, and ignorance and delusion because when we fundamentally understand the idea of what self is, we are no longer impacted by what we're seeing around us and how we're interacting with things. We're enlightened beings, and so the fuel for the three fires is gone. Thus, the resulting 
karmic actions, typically unwholesome, are gone, and then we can reside in our natural state of nirvana. And nirvana is the absence of the three fires. Now, all of this is important because you've often heard of that term dukkha or sometimes commonly translated as suffering. This is where this is all coming from, this constant rebecoming in this cycle of rebirth and this existence like we're in right now in all these different realms of rebirth. We're in the human realm right now. And so this existence right now is unsatisfactory because we have ignorance of the truth. And because of that, we are very much in this delusional state of what we think is right. It's not. And the idea of self is a big component of this. And so then we have hatred and anger and greed and clinging. These are all that part of the, the three fire, three poisons. And that's what's keeping us trapped. Now, where does this take us? Do you actually exist? Yes, you absolutely exist right now. The Buddha isn't saying that this current existence doesn't exist. You're going to have certain beliefs and a look and everything else, your, your body, your mind, it, got it, it that, that absolutely exists. But what he's saying is, this is a temporary conditioned experience. And that's really important. And it's important because what we're doing, we're fueling those three fires through our sense organs of the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, skin, and intellect or mind, and how they react to sense objects. And so like visible objects, sound, odor, taste, touch, and mental objects. And so this is important because as we're interacting with things, it's reinforcing our belief in self because it seems natural. Because we're doing this, because we are creating karmic actions and karma keeps us bound to the cycle of rebirth, samsara, this is a very, what we call a mundane existence inside Buddhism. It's impermanent and it's imperfect. And this is going to be what we're trying to end or eliminate inside Buddhism because it is not satisfactory. Your true existence, your true self, your true nature, the, the true experience we should be having right now is nirvana. Remember, nirvana is the absence of the three fires of greed, anger, and ignorance. Just imagine life without those. So when you're interacting with those sense objects, with your sense organs, it's no longer going to be you just being controlled by that. You understand what you're interacting with and what it means. And so thus, you are no longer really controlled or bound or reacting in different ways. And that is a very liberating experience. And that's the whole purpose of Buddhism, is to liberate you, to free you from the cycle of rebirth, to liberate, free you from these unskillful and unwholesome actions, karma that we're doing, because that's not natural. So if it's not natural, then why are we even doing it? This goes right back to what I was talking about earlier. You absolutely believe what's going on and how you're interacting with things and perceiving things as being natural. Because there's two concepts here. The first is going to be the five aggregates or five skanhas. This is where we are basically born, if you want to think about it this way, 
arise in this current existence due to five cantonments, or five, basically five parts, if you want to think about it that way, coming together. This is going to be form, sensation, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. Now, these five groupings, we have to have it to exist. We can't exist without it. We have to have all of those to exist, and so does other phenomena. If you take away one of those, it's not going to exist. So this is really important because we believe this grouping right now, these five aggregates, in our current form, us right now, we don't see it as a bunch of different parts or components coming together. We just see it as me. I see it as you. And because it's so seamlessly together, we don't really understand that it is impermanent, that it is ever-changing, and it's interdependent upon other things to exist. We can't see that because it seems counterintuitive to us. We can't understand fundamentally how that actually works. And a major component of that, of why we believe that, is something called Namarupa. And so Namarupa is name and form. And this is, I think, a very for me, a very fascinating portion of Buddhism because this is what we believe self is. We believe, because of Namarupa, that we are me, I. But it is still a temporary, impermanent, ever-changing thing. It just works so seamlessly together. So what Nama Rupa does, remember these five aggregates, right? It's really almost, if you want to think about it, like a, your, your computer or your smartphone or whatever, just working together. There's a bunch of different components in your phone, right? Or your computer, your laptop, tablet, whatever. But you just look at it as one device, but there's many different things working together seamlessly from your touch, from your keyboard, your mouse, whatever. It's all working together seamlessly. But behind the scenes, it's really this working together of things, and it's not instantaneous. It's all kind of interconnected with each other that makes it work. So Nama Rupa works through our sense organs by interacting with sense objects. That's why I talked about that earlier. That is so important because we feel it's very natural, but it's actually these essentially these components. And I'll use my technology example before. You got webcams, you got the your touch screen and, and everything else. These are all different components, really. If you want to think about it as sense organs, you can do that. And the sense objects, well, maybe the the webcam or the the facial recognition is is looking at you, right? You're the object or how you're interacting. So all this is coming together. Because of this, there are mental formations that arise. So all of these sense organs that are interacting with the sense objects now give rise in your consciousness to mental formations. And this is, all. I said I, I really find this fascinating. This is going to be what we believe. I'm going to say that again. This is what we believe we think we see, hear, feel, etc. is real. But that belief is conditioned by us and it's not revealing the true nature of things. So sometimes you hear in Buddhism that the world is illusionary and, and, and things like that or different variations of that. And what you're not saying so much is like, like a hologram or, or something like that or it's just all fake. You're just saying how we are perceiving things 
and interacting with things is the illusion. So we are creating our own world based upon the sense organs, the sense objects, and this nama rupa. So this nama rupa is creating our perceptions, our beliefs about this world, creating our own little bubble. And it's, it's a very deep and fundamental teaching that will probably take a lot of us a lifetime or lifetimes to really kind of comprehend because it works beautifully together. But because it's really a conditioned experience, remember, it's just this temporary grouping of things, that's not you. That's just these components working seamlessly together, right? So when we believe in a permanent and unchanging self that exists due to these five aggregates and the resulting Nama Rupa, where it all works seamlessly together, we start creating fuel, which are attachments, to support this belief. Because remember, we believe in the self that's conditioned right now as being permanent. We don't see it as a impermanent thing. We don't see it as uh, ever-changing experience because sometimes it's so subtle or so gradual or, or spaced over decades or whatever. Right now, just your body. We, we won't go into the scientific details, but there's portions of your body that are constantly being re changing out, changing out, changing out. But you maybe look the same, right? Well, you understand you age, but you are constantly essentially changing a lot. That's just a very, of course, scientific and basic level. But even your beliefs, that's all ever-changing and permanent as well. But we really think it is. I can even look back to when I was a kid and then earlier on in my teenage years and 20s and etc. I would have these these beliefs, right? And then I look back and I'm like, oh, you know, that's a little bit different than how I'm thinking now. But sometimes we feel, well, that was very fundamental then, or we really had a good understanding, but we're constantly changing. We're interacting with these sense objects or sense organs, and everything's kind of going, 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 that we don't really sometimes see that gradual change. And so we believe we are not changing. Yes, we believe, oh, sure, yeah, I can change my views. And sure, you know, I can have this new belief based upon facts or something like that. But we don't see all the little little nuanced portions, little periods here and there that are always changing us, whether that's on a physical level, mental level. We don't really see or understand that. So we're starting to create this fuel by seeking attachments to make us feel better, to reinforce our belief that we have this idea of self. And that really is a source of dukkha, which is sometimes sloppily translated as suffering inside Buddhism. Because it all ties back to us creating karmic actions. Karma is what traps us, binds us in the cycle of rebirth, the, the beginningless cycle and the endless cycle of re-becoming, falling, re-becoming, falling, all these different existences throughout the six realms of rebirth. And it's just all unsatisfactory. It's because we, we believe in all these realms of rebirth that we are permanent, we are unchanging, and we are independent of other things in many different ways. Sometimes it's worse than the other ones because we don't even have the Buddhist teachings to understand. And other ones, it's just so pleasure-filled pleasure that 
we don't even uh, we don't even get why we should even practice Buddhism. So this human realm is so important for us. So dukkha, yeah, we, we don't like it, but in this realm that we're in right now, this is our best opportunity to not only understand why we need to practice Buddhism, but why we need to break down this belief in self. And I'm not saying breaking down the belief in, yeah, you exist right now, I exist right now. We're only talking about the belief that we are permanent, that we are independent of other things, and we are never changing. That that doesn't exist. The Buddha says, remember, we are impermanent, we are ever-changing, and we are independent upon of other things. Because the, one of the Buddha's main teachings was impermanence and dependent origination. So impermanence, all conditioned phenomena are impermanent. So dependent origination causes conditions to arise and fall. But this existence, like right now, is impermanence. All conditioned phenomena, again, let me repeat this, are impermanent. And because of impermanence, that is dukkha. So arising in this state that we're in right now, in this realm of rebirth, this whole cycle, is impermanent. Thus, it is dukkha. So five aggregates, nama rupa, sure, you're going to have times where you, you know, interact and believe that you are happy, but it is impermanent. You will have times where you feel sad or angry or whatever, impermanent. And all this impermanence is really going to be the unsatisfactory mundane existence that we're in that we want to end. And we do that by getting to this goal, nirvana, because nirvana is the absence of the belief in that permanent, unchanging, independent self. We now fundamentally under understand things, and we're able to interact correctly. And so enlightened beings have karma without outflows. Outflows or fetters or what chain into the cycle rebirth. They can now create karma in a way that doesn't bind them in that way. That, that's what we want to do. So those three fires of greed, anger, and ignorance and the resulting delusion are fueled by your belief in self. And those actions that you take as a result of it, the karma, yes, that is what's trapping us, but we want to create that one without outflows when we become enlightened. Now, when we look at this entire idea of self, or in the Buddhist concept, the idea or the teaching of not-self or non-self, it can sometimes be overshadowed by other things inside Buddhism. Well, we're looking at karma, we're looking at dukkha, because it's sometimes translated as suffering inside Buddhism, and for a lot of Westerners, they go, well, yeah, I'm suffering, or I don't like this, I just want to feel better about myself. In the Buddhist concept, in a Buddhist religion, we're looking at it as we're not trying to do it just so we feel good or that, you know, I just want to be happier, right? That's not the point of Buddhism. Buddhism is going to this much deeper level. Yeah, you can use Buddhism and the Buddhist teachings to make you feel better, okay, but it's never going to really solve your problem. It's like you're still drinking poison. Remember the three fires, three poisons? Yeah, you're still sipping, maybe sipping a little bit less poison now, but you're still going to feel sick at times. Or maybe that fire you haven't put out, so sometimes you're going to get smoke inhalation or a little bit singed or burned. Why? Why would you want to do any of that? So yes, you can get yourself to maybe a little bit happier state or a little less suffering state. But in Buddhism, we're looking at the fundamental source, the root problem, right? So when we are able to slowly clean that mirror or clean that window so we can truly see ourself. And what we're talking about is the true nature of ourself. 
that is what's going to liberate us and free us. I like to refer to that as the awakening. When you awaken, almost like you're opening your eyes and you go, oh, that's me? And when you say, that's me, you realize a me that is impermanent, ever-changing, and interdependent upon other things. And intellectually, we're not going to get this. We can talk about this till we're blue in the face. We can read huge books about it. It's not really going to get us towards that awakening. We have to practice. And that's why we have all these different ceremonies and rituals and teachings and methods and everything else. And then we also have things like meditation in Buddhism, which also overshadows sometimes this teaching of not-self or non-self in Buddhism. But the whole reason that we are practicing meditation, mindfulness, all these other teachings is to really settle the mind, calming meditation, so now we can now get insight, wisdom into the true nature of ourself and things as the Buddha taught. Because our mind, remember this Nama Rupa? It's controlling everything. It's that wild ox, bull, monkey, whatever, just leading you around. So when we're able to calm the mind and then develop insight into the true nature of things, it's that aha moment, which sounds very simple, but it can take a lifetime or lifetimes to even get there. But we're making that gradual progress along the way because the more we are able to clean that mirror or clean that window so that we can see the true nature of self is when we are now able to start creating more skillful actions, karma, wholesome actions that are leading us towards the goal, enlightenment, nirvana. Nirvana is where we want to get to. And so this can be... a like I mentioned, a teaching that gets overlooked quite a bit. But if I'm going to say to you why we are practicing as Buddhists, many different reasons why. But the main practice is to basically break down the belief in self. And remember, I'm not talking about the self like you and me existing right now. I'm just saying our belief about what we are. And so when we fundamentally understand that, because remember the Buddha and his light and followers and there's other bodhisattvas and Buddhas out there, they still existed in their particular form. For example, the Buddha, after his enlightenment, he was still walking around, right? He was still feeling aches and pains. He was still in his five aggregate state, this, this conditioned state, right? But it was impermanent. But what he was able to do by understanding the idea of what his true self was, he was able to then break free, break those shackles, if you will, to the cycle of rebirth, because now he understood how he was interacting and perceiving things in the correct way, the, f- the true way. And thus, he was never shaken. He was never led astray. That bull, ox, monkey in his mind, gone. Because after you see the truth, after you see the true you, you see the true nature of things, how could you be deceived anymore? How could you be led astray anymore? That is that awakening, that enlightenment, and the freedom of nirvana. So our practice as Buddhists, to break down this belief in self, and all the different Buddhist traditions out there have beautiful and wonderful ways of doing this. Don't overlook the different holidays and rituals and ceremonies and teachings. They're all there for a purpose. They're all there to help you break this down. The threefold training that I talked about before, that's to help us as well. It's all there for us. Do you have any questions about 
the teaching of not-self or non-self in Buddhism, I'd like to hear from you. You can reply to this podcast on Spotify or send me a message from my website, alanpito.com. I look forward to talking with you in our next episode. Thank you.